just never gets easier at all. And uh, I'm actually always surprised when you call on me to speak. I think, what in the world could I possibly have to talk about? But then when you call me to speak and you ask me, I, I write a novel. I think I panic. I just write everything I've ever done. And uh, I was a little, in the spirit of transparency, I was a little upset at you, Sister Kristen, because I talked to you on Sunday, and uh, I told her, I said, I've got 17 pages, and I think I've rewritten it four times. And she's like, oh, I haven't even written anything down yet. I was like, but Bishop had just preached this message about forgiveness, and so I I didn't want anything to be between us, so I, I didn't, I mean, I wanted to hurt you, but I didn't. And to be honest, both ladies have spoken exactly what, you know, when you you prepare for this, you think you're going to be out on left field all by yourself, and you spoke everything. And, um, yeah, you can sit down. I'm sorry. (laughs) Just stand. I got to stand. Stand up. No. I'm going to just read a couple of scriptures because I am incredibly nervous. And for more reasons than one, I, uh, first of all, Bishop used to sit over there. So I could kind of like just preach over here and you weren't there. But now you're making me nervous. But I'm just going to jump right into it. And um, last Sunday, I'm glad you preached that. I'm glad you preached that because... I wanted to make sure that there was nothing in between me and God. And I'm nervous tonight for more than one reason. Normally, I've been up here before, and it's nerve-wracking and things like that. But normally, it's because you're going through a storm. You're weathering, like she said, and there's there's something that you're gleaning out of it, like as a God-ordained storm. And you learn something in it, and then Bishop asks you to preach you come or teach or talk or whatever, and you come up here and you just pour out what you've learned. It's It's easy but not easy and this time for me I wasn't in the same place I have been struggling for months and um, I couldn't understand why and it was awfully quiet in the midst of that storm and so uh, before I get into much of that I'm going to read a couple of scriptures I'm going to just expound upon it a little bit and then I'm going to go into definitely into my my testimony and hopefully close it out and Hopefully someone can glean something from it. I'm going to start out in Numbers 13. You want to go there, verse 1? And I am going to read a little bit and skip around, so hopefully you can follow along with me. Um, I do have a point. So, 13.1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give Unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness to Paran. All the men were heads of the children of Israel. They were heads of the children of Israel. And there, these were their names. I'm going to skip down, all the way down to verse 17, I believe. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get up you this way southward and go into the mountain. And get this, he gave them very specific instructions. See the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few 
or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be you of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now, the time was the time of the first of the grapes. So they went up, they searched the land, going to skim a little bit. They um, went up and they, verse 22, it says that the children, actually 23, and they came into the brook of Eskel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and the figs. The grapes were so big, they had to carry it between two men on a staff. In verse 25, they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went in, they came to Moses and Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and to the wilderness of Paran and Koresh, and brought back the word unto them, and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Now verse 27 and 28. If you remember, they went out, they had specific instructions. You're going to find this or you're going to find that. And I want you to tell me which of the two, good or bad, positive or negative, what is it you're going to bring back to tell me about? Okay. So verse 27, and they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and that this huge grape thing is the fruit of it. In verse 28, nevertheless, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled. It's a stronghold and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, which are the Canaanites. They were enemies. And it says, in 29, the Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, practically every ite, they were scared of them. Verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it because Caleb only heard one choice. He actually listened in verse 2 where it says, send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto you. He didn't hear just part of it. He didn't just hear the good part that he wanted to hear. He didn't, he only focused on what God said. Let me not get ahead of myself. Mm. No, I got notes. <laughs> just kidding. Verse 31, that, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. So they chose to see the negative report. In verse 32, they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying, the land though which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. I'm not sure where he got that everybody was eaten up in the inhabitants thereof, but they elaborated. They were so fearful, or maybe I just don't understand that part, but the part that I want to get to is the verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land. Why was it evil? 
It was the direct contradiction to what God said it was. And I am guilty of this. I have been wrecked for the last, since February, actually, to be honest. I have been wrecked. God has wrecked me. But it was good. He needs to root it out. Verse 14. No, no, no. Verse 33. And this is, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, of Anak which come to which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So we were in their sight. That's important because I just want to kind of chat here for a minute because in verse 33, let me just recap. God gave a directive. Go into the land. You're going to see this or that. You have a choice what you're going to bring back. You have a choice how you're going to see it. God said it's already your land. So if you choose to see the negative, you're a grasshopper in the land of giants, to be squished. I, you talked about, I'm going, I've been through a trial. I won't even get into that. But in my own sight, I've been a grasshopper in the land of giants because I decided to hear the negative report. Yes, ma'am. Negative report. God calls it evil. We play. Oh, my God. I play. Okay, everything that I say right now, I'm going to just preface it because it's me. I have gone through this, and I thought I was, I literally sat on the friend's floor and asked, is this what it feels like to backslide? I know I'm dramatic and everything like that, but I'm like, my soul is dying because it was so dark because I chose to believe a report that God never told me. He told me this, and I'm like, nope, and I went to the side. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go into verse four, or chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. They were so scared at the report of all the spies that it, it, they lost sleep over it. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children Children should be as prey were it not better for us in Egypt and they said one to another let oh my goodness the mutiny and they said one to another let us make a captain a new captain and let us return into Egypt they were so afraid of what God had said they rose up against the man of God that said, this is your land. They were like, nope, we're picking a new man and we're heading back home. We're going back to Egypt. They totally disregard everything that God had said unto them. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about, because everything that you said, your storm, everything you said about digging it out and the pruning and everything Sister Kristen said about letting God work, I was like, y'all have said everything that I needed to say. Their fear... Fear is the only thing that can hinder you from going into that promise. Their fear, not only fear, because everybody naturally has fear. I'm just going to be real with you. I have a lot of fear. I'm scared of everything. I don't want to be up here. I never want to be up here. But when their fear began, became rebellion against the man of God, I pray I don't overstep. You can come snatch the mic. (laughs) 
when their fear became rebellion, it was their demise. They never entered into that promised land. And then I think God has like a kind of a, I'm not going to say it, but verse 31, Jesus, God says, but your little ones, which you said would be prey, they're going to bring them in and shall know the land which you have despised. They despised the promise because of a fear issue that turned into rebellion and unsubmission. And then God even talks smack by, oh, okay, you think your kids are prey, are, are you? They're going to go into the promised land. You're not. You're going to die in the wilderness because you're afraid and you're rebellious against me and you despised what I wanted to bless you with. How arrogant. How arrogant. I'm going to move it along to the next scripture. Oh, it's after nine. 1 Samuel 15, and I have 1 through 23, but I won't read all that. 1 Samuel 1 and 23, most everybody knows this story. I'll just kind of paraphrase a little bit. Samuel is a prophet of the Lord, and he has sent word from God. Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee king over his people. This is verse 1. Over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken thou to the voice of the word of the Lord. Hearken means to prick your ears up. Like, what? Excuse me? Can you say that again? I need to pay attention right now. Hearken your voice of the Lord. Hearken to it. Listen. Listen up. Thus say the Lord of hosts. I remember that which Amalekic or whatever did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way, and then he came up when he came up from Egypt. Verse 3 Now go and smite Amalekic and destroy all, utterly destroy all that they have. Everybody knows this story. Saul gathered people together. Verse 4, verse 5, he came to the city and laid wait. Verse 7, and Saul smote the Amalekites from there until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agog, and the best of the sheep, and the best of the oxen, and the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not, would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed. Then came the, immediately, verse 10, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, it repenteth me, which means greatly regret. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from me. He's turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. When Samuel came and confronted Saul, everybody knows, I blessed him, blessed and highly favored man of the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Verse 14, and Samuel said, what do you mean? I hear the sheep and I hear the oxen. What are you talking about? You, you did what I said. You didn't. For time's sake, all the way down to verse 19. Wherefore, this is Samuel saying to him, Wherefore then did thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? He also calls it evil here. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, 
with me and have utterly destroyed everyone else except for the king that I brought with me. So verse 22, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken that the fat of rams. Verse 23, for rebellion is as sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. The Lord showed me partial obedience is full disobedience. And it's not to be played with. I have been in a dark place. I literally wrote 17 pages of notes because my heart was crying out, God, what is happening to me? What is happening to me? Me. Not that I'm anything special, but I go to every service. I serve everywhere. I love everybody. And if I don't, then I forgive you and you forgive me and we're good. I do everything. What is wrong with me? And I got one word. The Lord gave me one word and it was prove. You see, every human heart has iniquity. And if you've ever prayed, God, use me. Use me. Don't be surprised when he does. It's not going to be fun. Prove in the concordance means to test, to try, to assay. I didn't know what that word meant, so I dug a little deeper. But assay means to analyze something such as ore, like a metal, for one or more specific components. Like you're looking for something. Is it there or is it not? We assay gold to determine its purity, to judge its worth. The testing of metal to determine its ingredients, content, or quality, and to examine its nature. I looked at the scriptures where this word was used, and I'm glad. I have cried a thousand tears. I'm glad. I think I'm cried out because this wrecked me because it's it's one thing when the preacher's preaching to you and, and something hits home and you're like wow let me take this home and I'm gonna study this up that's good I can learn from this I'm gonna I'm gonna grow from this but when God gives you a direct word you take it home it's for you this is me this is me Exodus 16 and 4 that I may prove them I'm gonna just like very quickly skim through because there's three or four here it's gonna for time's sake but Exodus 16 and 4, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. Exodus 20 and 20, God has come to prove you that you sin not. Deuteronomy 8 and 2, God led thee to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. Judges 2 and 22, to prove Israel, whether they would keep the way of the Lord to walk therein or not. Judges 3 and 4, to prove them 
to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord. God is directly telling me, your fear has turned into rebellion. And your partial obedience is full disobedience and it's evil in my sight. You see, I make jokes. Bishop comes up and says, hey, you want, I'm going to have you talk. And I'm like, <laughs> I have a cold. My disobedience is not to be joked about. And I'm going to repent to you, everybody. You hinted upon it a few times, standing up here calling for somebody to pray, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, God, please don't let him call my name. Please, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent. I know, I know, I know it's me. He didn't have you call my name, but he made me do this. So I'm not sure which is worse. I think this is worse. (laughs) See, back in February, I didn't know really what approving of a heart meant until we had an impartation. And I didn't know that you could partially obey something and justify. I didn't think that was in my heart. But I want to be clean before God. I want him to remove everything, whether I know it's there or not. And when God spoke at that impartation, you see, because the impartation, if you came and had Bishop lay his hands on you, if you're like me, I never know if I'm right or wrong, if I'm good or bad. Like, I need some help. I need you to direct me. I need you to guide me. I don't know what my talents are. I don't know what I'm good at. What do you want me to do? The impartation was God speaking directly to me, so I had nowhere to hide. I knew what God wanted of me. The first thing, I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. I've done that. That's good. The second thing, he gave me three things. The second thing, like that goes with the first thing, so that's really one. I can do that. That's fine. The third thing scared me to death, and it shouldn't have. It doesn't really matter. Whatever God asks you to do, he's going to give you the impart. He's going to give you the ability to do it. You don't need to fear. Fear is so fragile, but it's powerful. It can alter your entire destiny like the ten spies. It has the power to stop you in your tracks and let you die where you are. And I'm not going to have, that's not going to be me. I've come too far. I've come through too many battles. And your partial obedience also has the power to stop you in your tracks. It's full disobedience and it's evil within, his, within the sight of the Lord. I didn't realize that I was more like Saul that I, that I, um, that I knew about. See, my heart was full of rebellion, and I didn't even know it. But the thing that is, is what I really want to drive home now at this point. I had one more scripture, and I'm going to close on this. It was Jonah, and I'll just paraphrase really quick. Because if you're like me, I don't have a Bible reading plan. I like to live, like, on the wild side, and I just flip open the Bible, and God talked to me. So 
I didn't like that plan because every time I flipped, I came to Samuel and then this and that. Every single one of them was like, you, need, you have a problem. I need you to deal with this. So I was like, I don't like this flip. I need a, I need a Bible plan now. But Jonah, Jonah is another one. It's like the worst. You, you know, every time we go through something like a storm, Sister Melanie talked about it. Brother Ernest talked about it. I talked about it a little bit with my friends that everything that you're going through, like you can see that it's on purpose, that there's, that it's nothing that you've done wrong. You're going to gain something out of this. It's like, you're going to go through a battle. You're going to go through a war. There's going to be spoils of war. You're going to gain something. This was an entirely different battle. It was of my own hand. It was of my own fault. Like Jonah, how are you going to be a prophet? And the God said, go up and go over there and prophesy. And you're like, no, I'm going to go this way. I did that. You read these scriptures, you read the book, of, and you don't really pertain, it doesn't pertain to me, right? But it does. Every single one, if you're honest with yourself, it does. The heart, what does it say? That no man knows it. It's full of iniquity. No man knows it. I surely didn't know that, but it was there. So I, I'm going to close on this and just say that in the book of Jonah, if you'll go in there and study, no matter what he decided to disobey and go the other way he went through and made it hard on himself ended up in the belly of and affected everybody around him in that ship but once he got in the belly and it was dark and there was nobody but him I mean think about that in the fish belly I don't think I've thought about this story since I was six years old but every book of the bible pertains you gotta anyway once you get into the belly and it's just you and God, and it's really quiet, as soon as he repented, as soon as he was face-to-face with himself, and he repented, God got up, I think it's verse 3, chapter 3, the first part. He said exactly the same thing that he said in the chapter 1. Get up, go to Nineveh, and prophesy. It never changed. It never changed God's opinion of him. It never changed God's directive. And they responded. I know that Jonah Jonah had an ulterior motive in not wanting to go. He didn't like him and all this stuff. He didn't think they needed mercy, mercy. But regardless, once he went, they responded. That whole nation was saved because of Jonah. Even though he messed up, that's me, y'all. And I'm telling you right now, you've had to search for me. You've had to run after me. You've had to fight my spirit because of my fear. Never again, not anymore. You're going to get tired of me. You're going to call for somebody to pray. I might run you over to get up here. Can I help? Let me do it. You need to be baptized. I don't even think I'm authorized to do that, but I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do. Because... I would rather be overzealous than rebellious. I would rather be clean before the God Almighty in my intention and be an idiot because I'm running around trying to help everybody. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is my heart condition. What matters to me is that fear will not have the final say ever again. Fear, fear is the reason for rebellion. It's the root And I mean no disrespect to anybody. Let's go ahead and stand.
If anything that I have said tonight, any of the ladies has said tonight, has pricked your heart. Every one of us, if you're honest, you've got fear. And if left unattended, can turn into rebellion, unsubmission. And we've got a job to do here. We have a city, a Nineveh of our own. And we cannot play with the things that God calls evil. So if any of y'all are pricked in your heart, lift your hands. Ask God, shine that light on me, Lord. Put me back on the potter's wheel. Dig it out. Help me. Don't leave me where I am. Whatever he wants to do with you, it's going to be scary. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to hurt. Create in me a clean heart, Lord. That create word means cut. Even if he has to cut it out, do whatever it takes, God. Don't leave me. Don't let fear turn into rebellion. Don't let fear dictate your destiny. And don't let fear have the last say. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever he wants to use you in, whatever area, he's going to equip you. He's going to equip you with courage. He's going to equip you with strength and knowledge. You need to trust him in this. Whatever gift, whatever talent that lies, Jeremiah Jeremiah says that you were born with that before even you came from your mother's womb. You already have that in you. Let God cultivate it. Don't let fear thwart out your growth. not my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me.